Hello, people of Earth, and hello, people of the internet wrestling community. My name is Curtis Spears, and we're back with you for episode six of the Smart Foundation podcast. With me, as always, is the Arn Anderson to my Tully Blanchard. This is Shane right. Campbell. Shane, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing well. Right on. Good to hear it, man. So, let me ask you a question. When, when you're watching Monday Night Raw, and you see someone come in, like, 40-yard dash at Seth Rollins and knock them to the ground, and just start beating his ass how do you feel about that under normal circumstances i would be like oh well this is obviously Big E or someone um, but the fact that they cut away so quick i was like oh crap it's a fan so yeah that's uh, okay so the dude good form completed the tackle fourth down rollins has to punt but don't do that shit why the fuck are people jumping the barricades do, do they not do they not know that this is a show I mean, can't they just throw trash like they used to? <laughs> WCW? Yeah. It's it's such a wild idea to think that someone is so pissed off at Seth Rollins, who's a cartoon villain, coming out here and trying to trying to knock him over and pull his hair out and stuff like that. Also, what happened to the days back when, when people would jump the barricades like that? They'd go home in an ambulance. It could have also happened. We don't know for sure, but you know, lawsuits are are, are more of a thing now than they were back then. I just remember a day. I mean, not too long ago, somebody jumped the jumped the barricade and went after Bret Hart. And which one was it? Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, top guys. Anyway, they put they put fucking knuckles on that guy. Them and uh, Bulldog, baby Bulldog. Bulldog. Man, that's uh, that's really don't do that. Just don't hop the barricades. Don't try and don't don't try and lay hands on any professional wrestler. It's a show. You can hate King Joffrey, but don't go after the kid that plays King Joffrey on on TV. Right. And it, it reminds me of a story. It was I don't know what I was watching that had Jim Cornette in it. So take that Ooh. for what it's worth. Man, I forget who he was talking about. But anyway, back in the territory days, one of the hills that he was working with would like constantly have their rental car uh the tires slashed like every night <laughs> oh, jesus so and so that that's how they knew that that guy was was doing his job well yeah but back then there was there was the element of kayfabe where people would they they didn't know quite know if it was real or if it was uh, a work right and that the thing is nowadays you know they, they don't even try to hide it anymore like people will will Right. Even WWE will give you a, a spe- sneak peek behind the curtain every once in a while, just to let you know this is a show. Yeah. I don't think that egg was real. I'm going to say it, Shane. I don't think that was a real $100 million egg. I mean, have you touched the egg? I got to say, I have not touched the egg. Okay. Well, let's, let's just hold off judgment on that until we can have possession of said egg. Someday. Yep. Me and the me and the rock. Last time we were hanging out, he didn't have the egg on him, so I, I didn't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, Shane, what was uh what was your favorite match of the week this week? So funny you mentioned the egg because it oh, has oh, a lot no. to do with oh, my no. oh, so Twitter so versus the egg. Twitter versus the egg is yes. your <laughs> is your match of the of the week. Close. So when we do this segment you know, because we're on, you know, a bi-weekly kind of schedule. I try to wait until, like, the most recent wrestling whatever before I make that judgment on, like, the match of the week or moment of the week. 
even when I know I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> so I was like, man, I better not. Like, I mean, because I, obviously I could have went with anything from Full Gear. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I mean, a given. anything. That inner anything. circle versus the American top team match, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go with that. That was... Well... No. Compared to, I don't know, Reggie versus... <laughs> anyone it might have still topped it so i i tried to factor that in and i was like well let me let me wait till survivor series because what if there's just a banger of a match of survivor well series? they got well they had uh what was it biggie versus biggie versus roman and they had charlotte versus becky those those could be match of the week contenders for you though those were those were good i came close with the uh the tag team face off with the uh the usos and RK Bro. That already sounds that better than, than anything that the Inner Circle versus American Top Team could have done. Fair enough. And so I was like, well, this stupid egg thing, it's going to culminate on Raw. Maybe there's going to be a really good match on Raw. So let me wait till Raw. So long story short, I should have just went with my gut and did anything other than Survivor Series <laughs> and Raw because it was bad. Oh, and no. for that... Shame on you, WWE, because I try to be the advocate, and it just didn't pan out this time. Oh, um, so what? What stuck so, out with you? What stuck out for you from those shows? Though was there was there anything good on those shows? So the the open invitational, the U.S. title open invitation with uh, Damian Priest, that's still the consistent thing on on Raw that I can count on, no matter what. Okay, who who was it this week? Uh, this this week it was it was teased to be Apollo Cruz and and then it was who the hell was it Sami Zayn something like that he was all okay. over the place last night. Um, <laughs> they know where their money's at. Yeah. So Sami's yeah. the draw, baby. Put him on the TV. So you know every every week it could be Damian Priest if I wanted if if the gun was held to my head and Pat to pick something from Raw it would be a Damian Priest match ninety nine percent of the time. Now, what intrigued me, though, was the, the impromptu title match that I was like, wait a minute, do they dare? I don't know I don't know if you're caught up on who stole the egg. No, I did not see who stole the egg. My thought was that this was a way to get to Roman versus The Rock. I thought maybe Roman stole the egg, and uh, this was their way to, to start the ball rolling to get The Rock at WrestleMania. I think that's still going to happen, but for whatever reason... Maybe he was filming Walking Tall 5. I don't know. Would watch. Yep. So the culprit that stole the egg was Austin Theory. Makes zero sense. I know. Okay, okay, no, but, okay. But give me give me their reasoning. What did they say for, for a reason why? So because he wanted to take a selfie and he couldn't, there was too much security around it. So he stole it. So he'd be alone with it to take a selfie. Because that's what you would do with a hundred million dollar egg. But the bigger thing is, whoever was whoever gave up the person that sold the egg was going to get a WWE title shot. So Sami Zayn turned in Austin Theory, and Zayn thought that oh I'm going to get the title shot, and Vince like no nobody likes a snitch, and so <laughs> so he he gave the title shot to Austin Theory. <laughs> So, that in oh, itself was Lord. somewhat entertaining. 
even though the whole thing has been unbearable. Oh my god. But it got me thinking. Now, this was way back before we started the show. On one of my bold predictions, this was during like the pandemic era, when I had said, if you recall, Austin Theory was going to be the youngest WWE champion. We talked about that on episode four, I think. Austin, yeah. you said Austin Theory would be the youngest WWE champion, and then you took it back on episode four. I said, so... I didn't take it back. I said I had time, because there's still a couple <laughs> years. <laughs> so when he got this title shot, I was like, no way. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Can you imagine Twitter exploding if they took the WWE title off of Big E and put it on Austin Theory? Yeah. Oh, there! Oh my gosh! It would be a there. No one would see the end of that. It right. would just be a tsunami of of like anger from Twitter. Yeah. So because of that, I was I was going to save my match of the week candidate solely for that main event, win or lose. I was like, okay, this is gonna go sideways one way or the other. And to no one's surprise, it turned out disappointing. But. What could have been? I was I was ready for the internet to melt, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. But I'm okay with that because Biggie is still the champ. But can you imagine? Oh my god! Ooh, scary moment. So, you know that you don't have to pick your your, your match of the week until like you actually sit down, right? You, it doesn't have to be from yesterday. It does. You you don't have to like decide it. You know, as you're as you're watching every show. You can pick it after, and you can pick anything. Cause what? <laughs> okay, all right, just checking. <laughs> so, so uh, Biggie versus Austin Theory. Did how did it go? Was it fun? It was. It was a solid match. I can imagine it would be. Austin Theory had some some pretty impressive like power moves. I, I mean, I I knew you know he's 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 a big kid, but I was kind of caught off guard the ease. That he was picking Biggie up with, that was a little bit like dang. Yeah, Biggie is. Um, well, I mean, when you think about it, Biggie is he's he gives a lot to smaller guys. Like, didn't he he get that that Chaos Theory suplex from uh, from Chad Gable just a couple of uh, mm-hmm. weeks ago? So good for him. He's willing to give people. He's willing to work with people that are smaller than him and help them to look strong, which is great. Right, but I mean, even with that said, I mean. I mean, obviously, you you can kind of tell when there's assisted with some of those moves, right. but man, theory theory was doing some like pretty effortlessly the way he was kind of tossing around a little bit. So I was like, dang, I dig that. All right, I dig that. Yeah. What what would you have picked if you did pick something from Full Gear? I I haven't got over Adam Cole even yet. Hmm. So because of that, yeah, God. it would it would have to have been the the super click. Uh, yeah, super quick final answer. I know everyone, oh, Omega. Dude, I, I don't even no. care. Like, I love Jungle Boy. I unabashedly love Jungle yeah. Boy. So, like, it, right. if you're down with Jungle Boy, I'm down with Jungle Boy, too. Um, right. Luchasaurus, I think, is a great tag team partner for Jungle Boy because he doesn't actually have to do much in the ring. He lets Jungle Boy do everything, gain the babyface sympathy, and then... He shows up, does you know two minutes worth of kicks that aren't really. He's not really flowing from one move into the other or anything like that. He doesn't have to show up, do a bunch of kicks, tag back out to Jungle Boy, and that's the end of the match. So he's he's the ultimate hot tag. He is the ultimate hot tag. 
It's great. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Christian and good on Christian for showing up on every major company's, you know, giant pay-per-views this year. Great for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. I, the, the thing about that match for me, I did end up seeing that match. That was I didn't watch all of Full Gear, but I watched uh, that one. I watched the world title match. I watched uh, Kingston and Punk, which I thought was fantastic. And um, that match for me, unfortunately, like it just really f- pulled to a full stop when they had to stop and change their knee pads and things like that. Really, like, just killed any momentum I had. I was I was digging it up until then, and then it was just like, okay, guys, can we, you know, work this out ahead of time so it's a little bit smoother? But that's fine. Yeah, and and not to go off on a whole tangent, but I, I haven't really been blown away by any punk matches since he's been no? back. I don't want to say that he's lost a step, but I'm looking forward more to his promos than his matches yeah promo battles um are have always been more of punk's thing i mean punk was always the story guy right like he told a story better than a lot of people and that's uh that's where he would get his five star five star five star five star five star rankings and mm-hmm. it wasn't it, it's not really a thing for him to put on a omega okada matt classic sort of thing he tells right. a story really well so Mm-hmm. When you put him in with someone like Darby, who's still learning, okay, the match is going to be fun. He'll tell the story like they did their Bret Hart one two three kid thing. Great. I was kind of hoping to see him versus uh, Ricky Starks. I think that those two having promo battles back and forth, and then putting on a, a really decent in ring match to go along with it would be great. But I think as far as like with CM Punk, you can't really take just the match. You have to take a look at the package as a whole. Right, because I mean, even with his, you know, when he came out and faced off against uh, MJF on mm-hmm. was a dynamite and didn't say a word, but I instantly thought, it's like, man, their mic stuff is gonna probably be better than their ring stuff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think it'll their wings, their ring stuff will be good. It'll be it'll be really good. They're both very good wrestlers. Uh, I, I think MJF is actually underrated as a wrestler, considering he only wrestles like three times a year. So yeah, yeah it's that's a thing. Annoying, but yeah. I I think that he's underrated a little bit because people don't see him very often. So it's like when you watch MJF wrestle, you go, "Oh yeah, this guy is pretty good." But yeah, those two will have they'll have a good match, but they will have fantastic promo segments. Yeah. Okay. So my match of the week. Uh, so I had a I had one up until just a couple of days ago, the New Japan Battle in the Valley pay-per-view uh, was a couple of well it was about 10 days ago at this point and mm-hmm. that featured uh will osprey and ren narita ren narita is still technically a, a young lion he's on excursion right now to the la dojo learning from shibata and will osprey is uh running around touting himself as the real world's champion never pinned never submitted for the iwgp world heavyweight belt the new japan strong show has really showcased Ren Narita very well. When he left, he was a, like I said, he was a young lion. He was a little bit smaller. He looked like he was going to be a lifelong junior heavyweight. And since spending time with Shibata, he's baby Shibata now. He's got Shibata hair. He's got Shibata's mannerisms in the ring. He's coming out. I think even if he wasn't on excursion, he would still show up in just like shooter boots and black trunks. He's just Shibata now. And... 
it's really cool to see how much that effect has had on him. It goes almost beyond a tribute at this point to, I've seen that guy's work and I want to do that. It's like when, when you started seeing people in the 90s that were that were regular wrestlers until they saw like all Japan tapes of like Misawa and Kenta Kobashi. And they just started aping those moves and bringing them over to America. Um, except he's doing it like with full permission and blessing from Shibata who is, uh, who's been teaching him for a long time. So it's really cool. I do hope that he finds a little bit of his own personal flair, but new Japan strong as a vehicle to show his growth is it's fantastic. It is really made this kid come alive. Like I said, when Ren Narita left, we love Ren. We we in the New Japan fandom go, oh, little Ren, that's great. And now you see him as like, oh, Ren's going to kick your face off, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. So yeah, he and Will, um, I think Will Ospreay, for as, as good as he is as a high flyer and all the fantastic moves he does is really underrated as a striker. I think he's got some fantastic chops. He's got really good kicks. And watching him and Ren Narita beat 10 shades of shit out of each other was fantastic. Ren looked like a murderer. Will made him look like a murderer and then uh, proved that he is, you know, still unbeaten, unsubmitted as the world champion. And it was for a reason. Great, great match. Now, do you think the, the, the striking with Will has just been more effective because of the, the weight? It could be, it could be, uh, he's got more, more force to put behind his kicks and things like that now. Uh, yeah. since he's been since he's been building his body more but i remember when he was still a junior he had a match in the g1 with okada and there's one spot in this in this match he was he was in the g1 as a junior so he was still under 100 kilograms at that point he and okada are trading 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 and then stops and the world stops because will put a big boy chop on okada it echoed throughout the building everyone in the crowd just kind of went Oh, because they know, they know that they just saw something fantastic, and I think that was the moment where you knew that eventually Will was going to turn heel and and set out on his own. Because that was the moment that that Will Osprey really arrived was when he looked dead in the eye at his you know his big brother basically and said, "Nah, I'm a big kid now." And that he was still he was still little at that point. So I think he's always been good as a striker. He's great as a striker okay. now. Uh, but that was that was my match of the week until uh, on the 21st, we had Best of the Super Juniors Night 4, and my man Hiromu Takahashi, the guy who I think is Wrestler of the Year last year, had a rematch of the match of the year for me personally last year, and that was his match against the El Desperado, which uh, Hiromu... And Desperado went to a 30-minute time limit draw. And that 30 minutes flew by. It's It was fantastic. They started out with uh, exchanging chops and, and heated elbows and things like that. Uh, I think it was it was maybe three or four minutes before one of them actually grabbed the hold. And uh, it, was, it was so fast and furious from there on. Uh, I did an entire rant about it for the Super J cast. If you'd like to uh, check that out, my my coverage of the Super J cast, uh, I'm sorry, Best of the Super Juniors Night 4 is on the Super J cast uh, episode 186, I believe. Uh, I do coverage with a dude named Rafe Houston, who is from Australia. He covers Deathmatch Wrestling for the Faces and Feels podcast. Lots of fun. Great show from start to finish. Best of the Super Juniors Night 4 will probably end up being my favorite until 
the final night of the best of super juniors when they have a bunch of different matches that will determine the outcome yeah fantastic uh, match from top to bottom desperado and hiromu yeah there there's something big coming on the horizon for those guys and i really hope it ends up at the tokyo dome that if if you have if you have the opportunity to go back and watch uh, the best super junior, best of the super juniors final from last year. Tw- uh, best of super juniors twenty seven. You can go back and watch that that final of of Hiromu and Despi. And you know, someday really soon, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and break it down on this show. I thought about doing it for today. I decided not to because uh, I, I wanted to give their the new chapter to their story a little bit of time to breathe. But man, uh, there's something about that. Have you have have I made you watch that match yet? That one, I don't think so, but that that's going to have to be a okay. thing. It'll be a thing because there's a spot in that match, and you you will know the spot where Desperado's match mask gets ripped, and the intensity and the fire in just that one spot. I was bouncing up and down on the couch, like just trying not to scream because my wife was still asleep upstairs. <laughs> It's so good. Anyway, so yeah, uh, I I really do hope that it uh, either they're in the finals again together or that Hiromu makes it to the finals and challenges Desperado for the junior heavyweight belt at at Wrestle Kingdom. Either way, they deserve the biggest possible spot that they can get. They are both fantastic. Um, I love Hiromu Takahashi with uh, every bit of, uh, of my heart. And Desperado, even though he would probably rather break my leg than look at me, I still love him too. So... (laughs) Speaking of people who would intentionally hurt you, let's move on to our uh, our coverage of a uh, retro review. What do you think? Oh, I know it's coming. <laughs> Diamonds. Diamonds I want to talk about. Diamonds are the hardest natural substance known to man. They can be used for anything from high-performance rock drills all the way down to the fanciest jewelry. On the Mohs scale of mineral hardness, diamonds score a 10, the highest possible score. Even the word diamond comes from the Greek adamas, which means unbreakable. In other words, diamonds are forever, and so are the four horsemen. There is no match type you can't associate with the four horsemen. Singles matches, tag matches, elimination matches, I quit matches, you get the point. But the match I most closely associate with them as a whole is the match beyond war games. War games! Had to do that. (laughs) February 24th, 1991, The Four Horsemen, Barry Windham, Psycho Sid, Ric Flair, and Larry Zbysko, who was filling in for an injured Arn Anderson, took on Sting, Flying Brian Pillman, and the Steiner Brothers at Wrestle War. This was the first War Games match I remember seeing, and going back to rewatch it now over 30 years later, it's easy to see why it's stuck with me. It's brutal, it's dangerous, everything looks more sinister in the double ring, double cage setup, and most of all, it's fun as hell. Little breakdown so people, if no one's seen a War Games match before, we'll kind of break down how the rules work. It's two rings set up side by side, and they have one interconnected cage, so like a double long cage. It's the foot-long subway cage, and it's got a top on it, which is, at that point, was unheard of. And two men will start the match uh, for five minutes. Every two minutes after that, alternating members of their team will come in. Until everyone is finally in, and that's when the actual match beyond starts. At that point, you can only be submitted. There's no pins. There's no rope breaks. There's no disqualifications. You win when one person says, I quit. It is brutal. So, 
Flying Brian starts fast and furious against Barry Windham, who had injured Brian's shoulder the night before. Brian's not thinking with his head. He wants to get revenge, and he throws his entire team's plan in jeopardy for it. But Brian Pillman, he was always a loose cannon, wasn't he? This starts the ball rolling downhill for the good guys. The opening five-minute period goes well for Sting's team. But even with Pillman fighting valiantly, once another competitor gets added, the horsemen begin to take true advantage. Ric Flair is the third man in, and they get to double-team Pillman for two minutes. This, is, of course, begins the normal War Games fun of a face coming in to even the odds every two minutes. You get that big pop. There's no baby face who can even the odds quite like the fourth man in, Sting. No one gets the Sting pop like Sting. Sting is the ultimate baby face back then. This is bleach blonde, red, white, and blue face paint surfer Sting. My favorite mm-hmm. Sting. Larry Zabisco is the next man in, turns the numbers game back in favor of the horsemen. But while the Steiners wait outside ready for their chance to come in, the horsemen have their biggest hitter still yet to come. Rick Steiner's in next and cleans house. Steiner lines, huge punches, and of course suplexes. Wyndham has been bleeding since the third minute of the match, and now so is Ric Flair. As Sid enters the match, the, the crowd quiets down because they know they have, they're about to see something messed up. This huge man, he can do bad, bad things. And trust me, he does very soon. There's blood smeared across the chain link of the cage and splattered across the canvas as Scott Steiner evens the odds for the final time, and the match beyond truly begins. It only ends now when one side submits or surrenders. Submit or surrender! That's what Tony Schiavone keeps screaming from ringside. I'm not sure that that's not the same thing. I think it is. Okay, it's cool, Schiavone. The face team gets all four bad guys into figure four submissions and the crowd goes mental. All it takes is for one of these dastardly men to give up and their day is won. But with so many men in the ring, it's easy for the heels to start helping each other out and break up their submission attempts. Finally, with all the men back to their feet, you begin to really see how short the cage actually is. Sting is able to lift Ric Flair into a military press directly into the roof. And behind him, Sid's head is just inches under the chain link. It sure would be awful if someone didn't take that into account when executing one of their big power moves, wouldn't it? Enter the master and ruler of the world, Sid Vicious. Sid knows how short the cage is. He hurls Pillman up into the cage, then picks him up and tries to execute his powerbomb finishing move. Jesus Christ, Sid, you dumbass. The roof stops Pillman from turning all the way over to protect himself for the move, and Sid drops Pillman directly onto the back of his head like all Japan King's Road style. And then Sid realizes the mistake he's made, because he leans over directly and checks on, on Pillman right away. Then immediately picks Pillman up and power bombs him again. Luckily, this time he realizes what happened and protects Pillman, who is obviously hurt and unable to help him with the maneuver. So, a few seconds later, El Gigante, Flying Brian's homeboy, his tag team partner, comes to ringside, tears his way into the cage, and submits for his friend, your winners, the Four Horsemen. Jim Ross and Dusty Rhodes, who looks like a king in a red leather jacket and an open white shirt, multiple gold chains. They ask referee Nick Patrick what happened. Patrick, who in a worked sport now already has more accountability than the entire core of NHL referees, that's just my own personal nitpick, explains that Pillman was out and could not continue. The Dastardly Hill team makes their way to the back and the pay-per-view goes off the air with credits. Do you remember when pay-per-views had credits? I I know it's kind of a kayfabe like sporting event things don't have credits but it's nice to see the hardworking folks mm-hmm. get their due uh, anyway this isn't a perfect match it's not an instant classic it's not a six star affair it's not even my favorite iteration of the horseman 
but it's so much fun to watch these guys have an absolute ball. I really wish Arn had been able to compete in this match. His presence is really missing. Zabisco did fine, but I've never really been a fan. He just doesn't fit the Horseman aesthetic. And this is a problem because you don't join the Horseman. You're chosen. Shane, what do you think of this match? Um, so a couple uh, subtle things that stuck out to me. The living legend, Larry Sabisco, in there. I'm, I'm wondering when we, you know, when they had to replace Arn Anderson, if the reasoning was, who else can we have in here that no matter what age they are, actually are, always look like they're 47 <laughs> years old? They look like they're 47. They were born 47. So... With that said, it would have to be Zabisco. Like, yeah, I don't think I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. I, I, I don't remember a younger or an older version of Larry Zabisco or or Arn Anderson. So that that's the role that he filled was the uh, the young old guy, I guess you can say. <laughs> but I mean, at, at, right now, at uh, Arn Anderson is what one hundred and thirty seven years old. Right. He still looks like he's only fifty. Right. That, yeah. And that's the thing, like, Zabisco, I know he's a Hall of Famer, but he just looks like someone's dad. And, I mean, I know that everyone is, is a dad, but, like, they, he looks like they just, like, knocked on his door, and he had just put, like, a pot pie in the oven, and he just decided <laughs> he's just going to go to war games instead. And like He's like, hold on, i got to finish mowing the lawn. Yeah, it's just like... Like, shut that door shut, shut that door, door turn that light off you don't pay the bills letting the heat out um <laughs> so that was the first thing that i thought was hilarious about this is young old guy larry zabisco great guy if you're listening oh man you know what i you know what i noticed the this time that i had never seen before is how often sid was in the ring calling spots yeah did you see that at all? He's in the corner, he's, or he's down on the ground. He's like, Brian, Brian, figure four. <laughs> he's like, Brian, I'm going to drop you on your head, okay? I'm going to drop you. Have you <laughs> have you seen Tawe and Misawa? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was that was gnarly. Yeah. And what is the point of having a, a, a roof on the cage when you got Brian Pillman and Sting in there who both jump, you know, four miles into the air? Yeah, silly. And Sid, Sid's booked at what seven foot three or something mm-hmm. like that, and you know the the cage is you know seven foot six. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad. And and another one of my favorite things about the match was another subtle. So this was it happened right after Sting had came in, House of Fire, Sting doing Sting stuff, and off in the background, um, in the far ring, it's Pillman and I believe Wyndham. And I don't think they realized that they were on screen, but like Pillman attempted like the weakest like spinning back kick, like to Wyndham's like shin. And I don't, I've never seen Pillman attempt any type of roundhouse kick ever in my life that I can recall. And the fact that he's just like punch, punch, uh, spinning back kick, and it like what, <laughs> like. I think at that that's because that that's because in the WWE when you first when you first really saw him he didn't have any ankles so well he had ankles in the Hollywood Blondes he wasn't throwing no kicks there he did yeah that's true um, no it was it was so funny the first time you see him like really go for a for like a flying crossbody he attempts to do it off the top rope and just smashes his head into the top of the cage yeah. so for the, for the rest of the match he's doing jumps off of the second rope mm-hmm. just to be sure and and little a little factoid is that the the Tiger Trunk Pillman 
that was one of, that was one of my first WCW figures as a to- as a as a kid. And and yeah, at the time, I, I don't I think I remember. The... I think I had it before I realized who it was. Because again, I didn't see WCW regularly until later on. Um, but I had that Pillman, and then like a yellow and black uh, singlet uh, Scotty. But nice. That that's that's the one thing that I just kind of gets me nostalgic is when I see those trunks. It's like, oh man, I I used to play with Can him. We... Can we talk about the uh, the Steiner Brothers trunks in this one? Like Scott Steiner comes out in like some very Steiner esque uh, trunks. You know he's got or he's got a singlet on. It's got it's black, and then in some areas it's like tie dye or something. Mm-hmm. And then I look at Rick Steiner's, and Rick Steiner's is a single. It's covered in like math problems. Listen, and I'm like, did you did you get Steiner? Did you get Scott Steiner's trunks? <laughs> no, Stein, Scott Steiner's the math genius. Had what he are had you doing? Red his brother's trunks we wouldn't have been in that issue in the first place (laughs) but yeah rick steiner's trunks reminded me of like an old mat in second grade that you would just sit on and you know before you read or even like something on the magic school bus but (laughs) it was it was it was appropriate for the time as as an attire nerd that i am i i do notice all of those things and it used to bug me that the steiners didn't match but I got over it. No, I didn't. I never That's... did, actually. No, no. <laughs> they did They did match. They came out in matching jackets, and they both wore singlets, but... Nope. That's fine. Yep. So, as we're sitting here today, it is the 23rd of November. It's two days till Thanksgiving, and it's the most thankful time of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what we're going to do is talk about the things that we are thankful for, some of the things that some of our listeners are thankful for uh, when it comes to wrestling. This is a positive program. After all, we like to be positive. And what more way to be positive than to say thank you? Yes. And Shane, do you have a do you have something that you think you might be thankful for today? Um, in, in regards to uh, rest, the wrestling world? Yeah. I'm thankful for the fans being able to go back and uh, watch wrestling live. Oh, yeah. Cuz hopefully that means me one day also. So, one of the one of the coolest things that uh, has been happening recently is Japan has been saying that they're going to have crowds again so you can either have full crowds that don't make noise or half crowds that do make noise and that might even start getting a lot better now. So, oh man, even even a even a half full dome is still not going to make the most noise, but it'll be nice to have something. And uh, it would be great to be able to have a lot of noise for the freshly announced New Japan versus Noah show that they're doing. Ooh boy, I'm going to be very excited about that one. I haven't watched a lot of Noah since Kenta left, uh, you know, all those years ago to join WWF, but yeah, ooh, I'm very excited. Uh, Kiyomiya versus uh, Kazuchika Okada. Is going to fuck. That match is going to be so good. I don't know. Did you? Did I show you the uh, promo video that they put out? I don't think so. So, at one point they dead ass ask. They're like, "Have uh, Okada? Have you watched any Noah?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Okada straight up says, "Fuck Noah." He's like, "Have you watched any Noah?" No. He's like, "Why? Why don't you watch Noah?" He's like. The Olympic team isn't watching the intramurals. Woo. 
<laughs> and it's that's a pro wrestling line, but it's a good one. So now, to be fair, when Roman Reigns said something similar about an all elite wrestling company, the internet, you know, drug him through the mud. Oh, let the, the internet, let the internet, you know, be angry at the fact that he's sticking up for the people that have made him a millionaire. Whatever. That's true. <laughs> that's a good pro wrestling line. So, yep. Yeah, I, I, I think um, being thankful for fans is a very, very good one. Uh, my first one, I am thankful for the idea of forever rivals. Those those people that they may not always wrestle, but they're always able to turn it on when they do. People like uh, Kevin Steen and Sami Zayn, or Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Steen and Generico, Owens and Zayn. Or, uh, in, in my case, I really think that Shingo and Will, Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay, and uh, Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado, they they don't always have matches, but every time they do, it's a new chapter in a book that I love to read. So when you have those forever rivals, that's one of the things that I'm thankful for. Can you think of any any, any rivals that you uh, that you love to see every time? Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, the Usos in New Day. Yes, that's a fantastic example. Great yeah. example. Yep. So I'll read off a couple of um, thankful responses for people from our social media. On Instagram, at DeathGuard underscore 30K says that he's thankful for that little dude that gives Finley this shillelagh so he can smack people with it. <laughs> he's thankful for Hornswoggle. Okay. Thumbs high. Thumbs high for that guy. Uh, Jack from our Facebook page says that he is thankful for Doink. And so that proves you wrong, doesn't it, Shane? Oh. No. (laughs) And Tyson says that he is uh, thankful for Dayglow Spandex and Leather Fringe. God bless him. Okay. Yeah. What's the next thing that you're thankful for? I'd say that I am thankful for... If I want to be serious about this i would say i'm thankful for the growth of wrestling and i say that at a time where damn near 100 people you know have been cut from wwe you know in the last year um but i'm I'm thankful that I'm, i'm hopeful i guess that in the long run everyone will still be able to entertain provide for the families and make the sport better whether that be with AEW, Japan, wherever. Um, so I'm thankful that, I don't know if we're in the next era of just the wrestling boom, but it maybe feels like it is. So It really I'm does, thankful. and I think with, with things like the internet, so you have um, Fight TV, and you have IWTV, and, and New Japan World, and the WWE Network, and all these things like that, you can really sit down and just watch wrestling 24 hours a day. Right. And I, I God bless it. That's the, f- that's the funnest thing in the world. I was, uh, I recently got a subscription to IWTV from, uh, after a suggestion from my, my friend, my new friend Rafe. And, uh, yeah, you can literally just put IWTV on and just leave it on all day because the wrestlers that are featured on whatever program you're watching will get kickbacks from that show. So like, even when I'm not watching TV, if I'm just in the other room making a pizza, I'll leave it on and just let it play. Because those right. wrestlers, you know, those wrestlers are getting paid now. So that's fantastic. You know, not only did they get 
a little bit of money for showing up to wrestle the first time, but mm-hmm. they get those kickbacks when people watch it. And um, the the ease with which you're able to watch wrestling now is great. Yeah. I really hope that Ring of Honor, when they're able to come back, is able to do something special and, and really find their place. Ring of Honor was the... It was something that really carried wrestling for me in the in the late 2000s, early 2010s. And um, I, I really hope that even though they were probably the first victim of the All Elite uh, rise, I really hope that they're able to, to find something new that they can stand out with. So... Uh, they 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 are dearly missed. Even though you know, like there are a lot of places that can do um, Ring of Honor type stuff. Like right now, MLW um, has kind of a like that old tri-states Ring of Honor feel to it. I don't think it quite gets there a hundred percent. It would be really nice to to have Ring of Honor back, even if it is like Ring of Honor two point and they've got to have a wrestling mailman or whatever. Yep. <laughs> if that's what the if that's what the the people want right now. I they just do. miss. I just. It's <laughs> what the ninety-year-olds want, according to the ratings. Anyway, that's a that's a very good one. That's a very good one. Uh, my mm-hmm. next one that that I'm thankful for is the idea. I, I went with a lot more ideas, I guess, but the idea of long-term storytelling. I think there's been long-term storytelling shown in all three of the major promotions that we talk about recently. Of course, uh, Hangman Page is the big one that people are going to think about a lot of. For me, uh, Naito winning uh, both belts, the double gold dash a couple of years ago was huge. That was a story that had been starting in what 2012, you know, with with Naito first starting to try and win belts and things like that and just failing and failing and failing until finally he's able to overcome. And, um, you know, people have been talking about Roman Reigns, you know, who's what's he's in the middle of his story right now. You know, he's got this dominant heel run and hopefully the the next great baby face is going to come and, and take that belt from him. I think they're showing long-term storytelling in all major companies right now. And I'm on top of it, man. I love it. So let me read a couple more examples from our uh, social media. A uh, friend of the show, Sean says that he's thankful for entrance music, usually a good source to get him pumped while he's working out. What, what entrance music are you bumping right now? Uh, currently actually um, King Woods. His oh, has he got a new theme? Is, 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 is a banger. Awesome. I'll check Featuring, that out. Featuring uh, Mega Ran. So shout out to Mega Ran. Mega Ran. Mm-hmm. It, it, does, he, does he fight people like uh, Wood, Wood Ran and Wind Ran? No. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't fight Plutonium Ran? You, you better put some respect on Mega Ran. I'll check him <laughs> he's, out. He's, 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 he's a fantastic rapper. Um, so basically, he, uh, if I recall, he was the first rapper... Or the only rapper to like be a, to have like a record deal with uh, with like Street Fighter and stuff. Capcom. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. He, okay. He has a lot of video game nerd stuff, like lyrics and and like songs references and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's that's funny because I was about to say the the theme song I've been bumping lately is uh, Shotanaka's new uh, Evil Gamer music theme song. Uh, he used to have a gamer theme anyway, and now he's he's turned heel and he's joined uh, the the House of Torture stable in, in Bullet Club, and his new evil gamer theme is very cool. It's got a you know entrance where he broke up with his old tag team partner. It's got like the uh, continue or end screen, and he like it shows him turning on his partner, and then it says end, and then Sweet. it goes in this evil theme song. Oh, it's fucking rad, dude! 
Um, I think I posted it on our group the other day, but it is, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a fun little banger. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good one. Entrance music. Next up from my personal, uh, Instagram, my friend Carrie says that he's thankful for singlets. And I think he was trying to be, uh, you know, a little bit of a jerk, but then I remembered that I've, I've seen Carrie's Google search history and I know what kind of women he's into. Let's say that he's, he's very thankful for the lovely muscular res- women of wrestling. And, uh, he did confirm that for me. He said, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm a little bit intrigued by this, but also confused. <laughs> uh, the, uh, let's see my, my friend of the show, Ryan, uh, has said that he is thankful for the reminder that the Royal Rumble, his favorite pay-per-view, is two months away. Will there be anyone in it? Why? Well, it's a inter- <laughs> intergender Royal Rumble, and there's like all, all the entire roster, and it's still only like 24 people. So my, my wife, Donna, has said that she is thankful for you and I showing her that not all fandoms have to be toxic. Yes. That's really yes. nice. Let's move on to the third thing what's the third thing that you're thankful for this year the egg from survivor series <laughs> i want him to crack it open and have it full of like chocolate and peanut butter or hector guerrero hector guerrero uh, a tiny little golden gobbledygooker yeah the golden yeah. gooker <laughs> they they missed the boat with that one yeah i was i was uh, like this company has a thing with eggs and survivor series don't they yeah but in all seriousness, that angle was bad, um, and I'm thankful that it's over. So, is it though? It's probably not. <laughs> I was talking. I was talking to friend of the show, Sean, and he was like, he was like, they brought out an. He, he sent. He sent me a picture on Sunday night. I was at work. He sent me a picture of Vince McMahon holding the egg, looking all proud, and I was like the hell's going on here and he's he, he didn't say anything for a while uh, and then i started seeing the memes about the eggs and uh then i started seeing memes about becky's butt and i was like really the survivor series is going on and the only thing i know about it is egg and butt and that was the entirety and no rock that was the other thing very sad about yeah. that 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 sums it up it, it was the egg and it was ass. Egg and ass. So. Egg. <laughs> Becky's ass or ass in general? Yes. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Survivors. I love Survivor Series. I wish they would do, like, just go back to doing the old, like, 5v5 or 4v4 eliminations all the time. But what do well, I they know? Had, they had those. They were just kind of meh. What could they do to save the to save the, the Survivor Series? What could they do to save, to save those elimination tags? Not have it be Raw versus SmackDown? That's a thing. Because, yeah, most of the guys are on... Or at least do the draft, you know, after after Survivor Series instead of three weeks before it so that the people that are on Team SmackDown weren't on Team Raw last week. I would, I would much rather just have just random teams put together with, like, corny names like it used to be. Oh, yeah. As opposed to Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Because remember when they had, like, Survivor Series that was doing that, and then they also had the Bragging Rights pay-per-view that was yep. also Raw versus SmackDown? Like, it is a lot. Of, it's no. a lot of... It's forced, isn't it? I, I, I say, if anything, still do the Night of Champions, and maybe have that versus Raw, have Raw versus SmackDown? I don't know. That but could like, be cool. 
I don't I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. No, yeah, so. it's it's definitely worthless. Or if they're or if they're going to continue doing the Raw versus SmackDown thing, have it be for something. Remember there was one year where you could book your your respective show if you won. You could book a night of your like if if Raw won, then all five of those people got to book a, a, an episode of Raw. Or yeah, ha- have the um Someone suggested that it was uh, Raw versus SmackDown, and the, and the team that won those five people got the last five spots in the Royal Rumble, which I thought was okay. And then I kind of thought about it and was like, no, not really, because you want the surprises. You don't want to know who the last five people are. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe they could do it where, like, if you as you get as you get eliminated, like the last five the last five people get shots at titles, like as they're as they're eliminated in the order they're eliminated in. So like the first two people get shots at the tag teams. They, they get a tag team title shot together or something like that. I don't know. That could lead to some interesting combinations and a, a whole lot of, but how will they coexist? Which is a thing that happens all the time. That or, or, you know, maybe just have like a, I mean, they have enough people to have like a, almost like a, a mid Carter, Survivor Series match, yeah, definitely, and, and have and then have a, like a top tier Survivor Series, you know, <clears throat> that way you know give the mid card randos you know some play and you know have that be you know culminate in like a U.S. title match or an intercon you know something, yeah, Just definitely. Not, oh, here's Raw, here's SmackDown, like that's silly. It is, it is, or, or I mean, like it's it it used to be great when someone would say like I'm having a problem with this dude. I'm going to go, you know, if, if, uh, if Big E had said, gee, I, I don't like Bobby Lashley, but I know that he kicks ass and he'll help me against Roman Reigns, you know, mm-hmm. that's a thing, man. And then you've got that, yeah. the, the, oh, will they coexist thing, which everyone, you know, complains about, but it's still, a, it's a story. It's not just lazy booking for a month. Yeah. Okay. So to end the night, we're cruising through this one to end the night, we're going to go for some questions. Oh, wait. No, wait. I didn't do my last one, did I? I didn't do my final thankful for. You know what I'm thankful for, Shane? Hmm. I'm thankful that I get to talk wrestling with my friend Shane. He sounds great. (laughs) Um, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So cruising right along. We'll go end the night with some questions. Um, Daniel, uh, a friend of ours from our Facebook page, he says, can you give some samples of questions you want? Uh, are you only interested in current events and predictions? Do you rehash old wrestlers and speculate on the effects of their careers? Um, do you want uh, people to request your favorite matches? Uh, do you want to listen to listeners give their fantasy matchups? These are all great examples. And I, I don't think we really have uh, certain questions that we want. We want all questions. Well, right, and as uh, you know, people can attest. Especially, I tend to go off the rails anyway on a lot of this stuff. So, the more random, the better. I think. Yeah, I think we have a lot of fun with the random questions. So, like, yeah. I, if you send us in a silly question, we'll probably take it as seriously as possible, like we did with the uh, with the five on five toys question last week. Yeah, that was a yeah. ton of fun. Anything, anything that somebody wants to wants to know, or if someone just wants to start the ball rolling on a certain conversation, we'll have fun yeah. with it. 
And it doesn't even have to be wrestling all the time, not necessarily. If you want to talk about old episodes of Nickelodeon Guts, we'll talk about Nickelodeon Guts. Mm, we'll spill our guts. Yep. <laughs> uh, do, do, do. <laughs> Kevin from our Facebook page, he asks, what's your favorite promos, be it for intensity, hilarity, or whatever reason? What is your favorite promo? Of all the times? Probably, probably of all the times. I would have to I mean memorable i would have to say more than because i have a lot of favorites but a memorable one that comes to mind for me uh, it's a big surprise that i am a big bret hart fan when he uh first lost his cool and and and, and dropped the 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 bullshit yep. live on on raw as a kid i that i my brain was not ready for that like, oh bret hart cost mom yeah oh yeah. <laughs> So that was that was the beginning of um, the Attitude Era. Someone fight me on that. Um, <laughs> when even Bret Hart so, is cussing, I mean, this is the Attitude Era now. Yeah, that's what that's what kicked it off. That's uh, a good one. So yeah, um, yeah. promos for me. I, I only a couple really stick out, but I think the one that really cemented it for me um, was remember the time in WCW when Eddie Guerrero went to the ring. And started screaming about Eric Bischoff and then threw coffee on himself and then said he quit and walked out. He had a suitcase there at the ringside. <laughs> oh, I love that one. That yes. that was and that was um when he was when he was wearing the uh, Eddie Guerrero was my favorite wrestler t shirts. Uh-huh. And uh, like to this day I still have one of those. I love Eddie Guerrero so much. And that was one of those times where I was just like, Yes, let him have it. Fuck Eric yeah. Bischoff. <laughs> Now, now, from a hilarity standpoint, I think number one for me is probably uh, Jay Lethal and and Ric Flair. Oh, when they sat there, went, woo, 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 that's my line, woo, <laughs> that's my line. <laughs> that's a good one. Oh God, that's a good one. Oddly enough, they've had some other parallels. I'm not gonna. Oh, oh, woo, woo, woo. Groom, groom, Ooh. what? Groom. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> I don't want to have to cut that out. Okay. Uh, so, friend of the show Grant has asked, "Who is the best hype man in the business? Who's the like? I think he means manager here. Who's who's the best manager in the business? Can we exclude Paul Heyman? I think we'd have to because it's the automatic yeah. answer is Paul Heyman. But can we? Ex- yeah, we should probably exclude yeah. Paul Heyman." Yeah, so n- not counting Paul Heyman. Well, damn, now that we take out Paul Heyman, who's left? I miss managers. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Abraham Washington. Abraham Washington. I said it. Oh, no. Unstoppable. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Oh, no. <laughs> Look, look it up, folks. Look it up, kids. <laughs> Report back to me your findings. <laughs> okay. Uh, he also asked, how cool are Shayna Baszler's Warhammer-themed uh, outfits? And um, I have to say, those are... Oh, man. As a, as a 100% Warhammer nerd, those are badass. I would prefer a Death Guard one, but, you know, like the, uh, the Emperor's Children one she had was pretty cool. I think she had a... Yeah. She had a Dark Angels one and a... Uh, she had a, a World Eaters one. 
I don't remember. But yeah, they were all super badass. And um, Shayna Baszler is... Shayna Baszler, if you're listening, and I know you are, big fan. If you want to play 40K with me, I will play 40K with you anytime. Anytime. I know you were here at Warhammer World just recently. That's like a two-hour drive from my house. I will go play fucking Warhammer with you. Now, with that said, I wonder if any of like the uh, developers and stuff have reached out. Have, like, have they acknowledged the free advertising that she's given them? They and, you know, they did a spot. Their... They did a spot. Um, her and Cesaro were at Warhammer World recently. Did you see that? No. Yeah, they. So Warhammer World, like the the world headquarters for for Games Workshop, is in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they they had uh, it was Shayna Baszler and Cesaro, and I. Th- I th- think Samoa Joe may have been uh, Samoa Joe was talking about it because he's a Warhammer nerd too mm-hmm. but um yeah they were they were up at they were up at Warhammer World there's a giant museum of like every mini they've ever painted up there and they got huge tables there's like a, a big store there's uh, there's a restaurant the restaurant in Warhammer World is uh like a dwarven tavern so you go in there and like all this the seats are like low to the ground and there's like anvils and warhammers and uh like helmets from like lord of the rings and stuff like that all over Sweet. the place there's like severed orc heads on the wall and shit wow. it's cool as hell um and like all the all the foods named after like warhammer stuff so you have like centigore sandwich and stuff like that and it's, just, it's like roasted centigore sandwich but it's like it's just like a, a ham sandwich but it's mm-hmm. like this is the roasted centigore meat, you know, and things like Sweet. that. So it's cool. Like but yeah, no, like Warhammer World's awesome. My, my, my friend Grant and I go up to Warhammer World all the time to, uh, to play in events and stuff like that. And it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Their museum, like you go through, there's, they have one museum. That's like one room in the museum. It's, it's a table that's, I mean, it's gotta be maybe 15 feet wide and about 45 feet long and it's literally like two and a half stories tall with all the towers and stuff like that on it. And you oh, like wow. you can look, walk around and like see the battlefield that they've set up. And like it's cool as hell. There's a there's a thing you can do on there if you go. There's one specific miniature that they move around every day. And if you if you're the first person that day to spot that miniature, you get you get a free prize. Oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'll send you a picture. I've got a picture of uh, Donna up there with me. And like, I mean, Donna's not the biggest person in the world. She's under five feet tall, but like, I'll, I'll send it to you for scale. This is when it was, when it was still being built, you can see like the actual table itself. And then there's, there's like my wife who's like four foot 11 and she's like up in the corner next to the top of the, uh, top of the tower. And she's like this big. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Warhammer world's the best. So yeah, she, uh, her and Cesaro have both been up there. They've, they've acknowledged the fact that she's doing that. And, um, Games Workshop is really crazy about their IP, so I was really surprised that they were digging the, the fact that she's basically going out there and right. she's not really co-opting their imagery. She's paying homage to it, but like, right. I'm yeah. surprised they let her do that. And they, they didn't just let her do that. They were excited to let her do that, so that's mm-hmm. cool. Um, so Brad asks, so many wrestlers have passed away while still active. Uh, assuming their current trajectory, who would have had the best trajectory over their continued career? after the day of their passing. He says, um, we all knew Eddie was already a hall of famer, but how much was really left in the tank for him at a main event level or someone like Benoit or Owen? Uh, he says that he thinks Canyon test and Lance Cade all could have had great careers. Um, Chris cash and Hannah Kimura obviously had their futures far ahead of them. Who, who do you think, um, that, that passed before their time 
really had more left to give. I think for me, he hit the nail on the head. Uh, Hanukamura, 22 years old, still an absolute child, a baby. Uh, I, th- I think about her quite often. She really could have turned the world on its ear. She was, she was a star in the making. Right. She was already a star in Japan. She yep. would have been huge wherever she went. And um, the fact that she's gone is it's a absolute stain on humanity. Uh, what those people forced her to do. Um, when when she passed away, it it took something very special from this world, and I think Hanakamura could have been a megastar. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. And just kind of thinking of everyone else, I mean, he brings up a good point that you know Eddie may not have had a lot left in his tank. Owen, um, they were adamant that he wasn't going to do anything. You know. Yeah, I, everybody wants to say, oh, Owen could have been world heavy cha- world heavyweight champion and stuff. No. I don't know that he would have. No. Um, maybe if he had jumped uh, to WCW at some point in the Attitude Era, maybe. Um, well, he tried, and then they blocked it, and then they, you know. That's when they punished him, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, I mean, heck, you can even go back to, think about like the all the Von Erics, how that could have changed oh, the landscape. God. Absolutely. Yeah. Kerry Von Erich could have, yeah. could have been, uh, he could have been huge. Yeah. I, yeah. I like to think that all the, all the Von Erichs, I mean, yeah, they had some success with the uh, NWA and things like that. Um, so many of those guys could have been world championship material in a big, big way. Yep. I was, I was uh, really into Kerry Von Erich when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know he had passed until I, you know, I was already a teenager when I found out that he, uh, uh, he, he was gone. So, yep. That one's a tough one. That's a good. That's a good one. Carrie Von Erich would have been. Oh, all the Von Erichs would have been uh, huge. Yep. Jesse, friend of the show, Jesse, what is a dream scenario five on five match for you? He says anybody and everybody, take take a five v five elimination, Survivor Series style. So I, I already had Canadian Stampede. That already happened for me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Canadian Stampede, yeah, that was that was the Heart Foundation versus what was it, the Legion of Doom, Gold Dust, Gold Dust, Stone Cold, Shamrock. Yeah, that's <laughs> for the sake of yeah. it. I mean, maybe if you replaced uh, Shamrock and Gold Dust with uh, DX at the time, Sean mm-hmm. and Hunter, or replace Shamrock and the Legion of Doom with the New Day. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one, man. That was that was so underrated. I mentioned it last week. Like I kind of breezed over it, but like I had to stop and say like that was that was a great match. So much fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's hard to beat that. I mean, dang. There was That does uh, kind of tick all the boxes for you, doesn't it? It does. I mean, there, there was a there was a Survivor Series team uh, a few years ago that was pretty fun. There was uh, now I forgot. I think it was wasn't it like I, I could be wrong. What I could have swore was like DX, Punk, and the Hardys. I might have just made that up, but I think it was a real thing. Oh, like like ECW cool. era Punk, like around that, like I think like that was the two thousand two thousand seven ish. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Sounds real good. I don't know. I I don't know. Um, I think for me, like one team is just going to be Los Ingobernables de Japón. So, <laughs> it's just it's 
Naito and Bushi, Shingo, Sonata, and uh, Hiromu. And the other team is, I don't know. I'd like to see them go five, uh, five on O against like the elite. I knew you were going to say the elite. <laughs> I knew it. Just beat them all. I knew it. <sighs> Just put them all down. <laughs> like Adam Cole can stick around a little bit, I guess, if he wants to. Adam Cole can beat Bushi. And then, <laughs> and then he's out. And then he's out. He kicks out of 900 finishers. <laughs> NXT style. Uh-huh. That's, I don't know. I, I, I think that Los and Gobernables de Opon make too good of a, like, five-man squad to even, like, think about anything else. So that's, that's one whole side. And I don't yeah. know. The elite, yeah. That's yeah. my, that's my final answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, friend of the show, Sean, says, uh, make your own whodunit storyline. Book, book a whodunit storyline. Go. Okay. So. I was in, I've been thinking about this. So what if Cleopatra's egg somehow <laughs> We're starting came out hot. missing? <laughs> We're starting out hot. I mean, hear me out. Just yep. You know, it came up missing. This is this is the one from the Rock's new movie, Red well, Line is, or whatever it's called. This is this is the real one. Um, that oh. somehow the Rock Dwayne um, he gained possession of, and then. As a token it's not, of from the, it's not a prop? No, it's not, it's not a, prop. a prop. It's, it's from the, the, the tomb itself. Oh, my um, God. He gifted this to Vince McMahon. And then what proceeded to happen after was a um, a Scooby-Doo-like crime caper where everyone is going around trying to find this stolen egg. <laughs> is Reggie, like, jumping from door to door like Scooby-Doo? But yes. instead of running, he's like he's jumping Cirque du Soleil style. Yeah, and they um, <laughs> at first they think it's our truth. Uh huh. Um, they unmask our truth. Plausible. They corner our truth. Uh huh. They think that he's the the culprit. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and they they unmask him. Uh huh. And underneath that our truth mask, Larry Zabisco. Oh no! That's the living legend. Yeah. It was it was him all along, so oh, man. Um, and because of the... that, he gets a, a title shot. <laughs> what does any of this have to do with the Repo Man? None of it. Not... Oh. Uh, none of it. Ironically enough, the Repo Man was uh, nowhere to be found. Somewhere... What does any of this? What does any of this have to do with? The Batman villain Egghead from the 1960s TV series. See now, now we're talking because Vincent Price, baby. Yes. yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hero clicks of I have a hero clicks of uh, Vincent Price as the Egghead. I love it. <laughs> I need oh. that. Oh, I think. Donna would kill me if I tried to give that to it the way that's her favorite. She's it's she's got it like up on the shelf. <laughs> I, she doesn't play Hero Clicks and never has. She doesn't care. She's got a Vincent Price action figure. Well, I'm glad that we got to get this show in the can before Thanksgiving. I'm going to do this to edit this tomorrow and get it out for everybody so that they can play this uh, play this podcast instead of listening to their shitty uncle talk about cryptocurrency or you know American politics. So. 
Mm-hmm. You can uh, throw this in your headphones instead of flipping over Grandma's good table. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything will be fine. And um, uh, really, really excited uh, for our, we're going to be having a vegetarian Thanksgiving this year. We're not cooking any turkey. We're just making a ton of extra mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and stuff. All right. Green bean casserole and pumpkin pie. And I, like um, I hope that you and your family have a fantastic Thanksgiving, Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, where can they? Where where can people find you on uh, on the internet? They can find me in the club, uh-huh. down full of bub. <laughs> um, other than that, um, Instagram, you know, this Smart Foundation, obviously. Um, also, hop on over to uh, King underscore Uncanny to um, you know witness me post one thing a month. So, <laughs> get on that. The most random picture in the world, Steve. Yeah. Here's a picture of Patrick Mahomes. It's a Black Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> what? That'd be that fresh. sounds amazing. First off, <laughs> well, uh, you can find me at on Instagram at eldestructo83. You can find me on Twitter in the exact same place. Uh, you can find us, the Smart Foundation, on Facebook at Smart Foundation Debate Dungeon. Answer the questions, and we'll let you in. Make sure you answer the questions, or we will not let you in. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at the Smart Foundation, where you can find our episodes. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts or wherever podcasts live. You can also uh, find my way out the door is what I'm going to do because I got to go to work. So <laughs> thanks. Thanks very much for all this. I hope you all have an American Thanksgiving holiday that you enjoy and love. Uh, with people who you don't want to punch in the face. And um, you got any last words for us, Shane? Um, it's not hot. It's not hot. <laughs> We're bringing it back. It's a callback. It's a callback, everybody. <laughs> all right. Them throwbacks. <laughs> all right. Uh, so from us here at the Smart Foundation, uh, to you at uh, your grandma's house eating some green bean casserole, we say we love you, we appreciate you, and have a good one. Say goodnight, Shane. Good night, Shane.